Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. So today's show is going to be a uniquely different show in the sense that, well, I have no guests today. So it's kind of like, it's funny, like, who am I going to deem what? What nickname am I going to be able to give to someone if I'm not interviewing someone today? So with that being said, I want you to think about that for a minute. But first, let's take care of some general housekeeping. Today's show, I want you to go to the Boss and Cage Facebook group. That's bossuncaged.com slash FB group. Again, that's bossuncaged.com slash F as in Frank, B as in boy group. Join the group. Because on today's show, I want you to be able to ask questions, give feedback, let me know what your thoughts are. What do you think about this new episode format? And keep in mind, it's not going to replace the original interviewing style format that we've grown to to love and and grown accustomed to. This is an add-on bonus to kind of take some of the insight that we've learned from other people, the insight that I've learned firsthand, and collaborate and then put this episode 100% into actionable items, steps, tips, and tricks for you to try on your own, right? So again, I want you to go to bossandcage.com slash FB group, sign up for the group, and let's get those questions popping on, on that, that platform, right? So let's dive into what today's episode is going to be about, right? Today's episode, I'm going to deem it. First of all, I'm going to deem these particular style episodes underneath the Boss and Cage ecosystem as the Boss and Cage Academy motivated and focused growth additions, right? All keyword driven stuff, which obviously in these episodes, we will be able to talk more about, you know, how to select keywords and and how to compound them together. But on this particular episode, the title of it, the topic that we're going to dive into is going to be how to grow from following trends to trend setting using growth hacking strategies. So I know you're probably thinking like, okay, well, you know, you already kind of understand what a trend is, right? But when I did some more research and I'm looking at the etymology of the word trend, and it's an old English word that comes from rotate and from revolve. And secondly, on top of that, it also is compared to trundle, which means the act of moving slowly or heavy, right? So I'm just like, okay, well, that's, that's an interesting combination. So like, what is, what is the definition of the revolve and the rotate and the trundle if we was to kind of compound these words together and come up with a new sentence? So that new sentence would be to move slowly in development of general rotating direction, right? So I'm like, like okay, if I was to truncate that even more, then pretty much the word of trend really means the definition of cycle. And if you think about trends, trends are always on a particular cycle, whether it's skinny jeans, baggy jeans, fitted jeans, all of these have been throughout history at different points in time on the fashion trends, right? They come and they go, they come and they go. So part of this particular edition is more so diving into being able to 
understand the trends and predictions based upon the history of something that you're studying or you're analyzing, right? So let's dive into talking about a rudimentary cycle of trend setting, right? So if I am creating something, let's say I'm creating a YouTube group or a YouTube channel or a Facebook group or a new book or a new podcast, first and foremost, whether I want to become an influencer or if I want to become a household name like a Tony Robbins, I have to establish the first and primary thing, which is start to give value, right? The value is going to be determined based upon my target audience of what they're looking for. And I'm stepping into that space to deliver and answer those questions, much like this podcast does, right? So that's the first thing of a trend-setting cycle is to establish that you are the authority and you are delivering value. Second to that is then capturing data. Well, if I'm giving value, then feedback, like I did earlier on the show. I asked you to go to our Facebook channel, right? And I wanted you to give me some feedback. Because again, I want to keep the content of this show very useful for you in the audience. I want to make sure you're getting value. So in getting value, I need to get some feedback or I need to look at my analytical data to say, okay, you know what? This particular show, more than any other show, has has more views or more shares or more likes or more comments, then that means that I'm heading down the right track and I need to scale and to make more of these shows. So that goes to step number three, right? After I capture the data, I review the data, right? And then I'm going to give more value based upon the data I collected. So you can kind of see I'm, I'm creating a cycle of influence. I'm creating a cycle of trend setting versus me just following trends. Now, all of these have been done a million times. Everyone gives value. Everyone looks at analytical data and everyone then reevaluates that data to create more content. And if they don't, then they should, right? Then going to step four is the growth. Well, if I'm giving value and I'm analyzing that data and then I'm giving back new revised value based upon the data that I collected, then by default, the next step is the growth of that audience or the growth of my client or the growth of the listeners because I'm giving them value and then they're going to be able to say, okay, hey guys, you should listen to this because of this, right? Then the algorithm is going to say, okay, more people are listening. We should give that person more clout on our platforms because whatever content they're creating is being valued, right? And then last but not least is the scaling part, right? So growth and scale, they go together hand in hand. If I'm getting more people to listen and my audience is growing and I'm giving more value, then I can start looking at what's the monetary gains as an individual that's trend setting, how I can capture, right? And then after that, you step and repeat this. You want to take these five building blocks, the fundamental, right? Like rudimentary building blocks of trend setting and use it as a cycle. Okay, that's the first thing that you need to kind of just understand just to capture in your mind, right? So then after you kind of understand this cycle, well, what's what's 10 tips, right? 10 tips and tricks to, that you could follow to not be stuck in the mundane of following the trends, but creating the trends through growth strategies, right? So first and foremost, right, I'm going to say use direct communication. Now, trends have back in the day used to be email, right? Well, even before email, let's just go back. Mail, snail mail was, was a form of communication and it's still being used to this day. Fax was a form of communication. 
And there are some people that still use facts till this day. But in today's market, as far as based upon if you're a marketer, if you're if you're a company that does particular services, if you're um, into social media platforms, well, ideally, the top three that you can utilize to communicate with that audience in that cycle would be email, chatbots, and text messaging, right? Those are the three quickest and direct ways to communicate with your target audience and also get direct feedback. On email, I can see if someone opens the email or not. I can see on what they click, right? And then from that, then I can put them in an automation system that's going to allow them to then go through another pipeline or go through another sales funnel, right? Chatbots work pretty much the same way, but they're even more of a higher conversion, right? So if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're on LinkedIn and I have bots running, then it gives me opportunity to talk to you directly in the environment that you use the most, probably more than even email, and talk to you directly through a portal that's in the environment to where I originally met you or we originally had the first conversion. Golden. Last but not least is text messaging. Well, everyone has one of these things in their back pockets, front pockets, purse, book bag. It's a computer in a bag, essentially, right? It's a computer in this mini little device. This bad boy right here, you could easily send text messages to. So part of capturing the data you can capture the email addresses, right? You could have people then land on your, your blog posts. You could have people that will land on your Facebook groups, your Facebook pages, and you can capture email addresses through that. And then last but not least is capturing phone numbers. So those are the three things would you want to utilize as far as a quick of my one of my top 10 tips on how to stop following the trends and start trend setting. Number two is referral marketing, okay? And this one is very key because it goes hand in hand with the communication. If you're communicating with your target audience effectively or if you're growing into effectively communicating with that audience, then that audience will start making referrals. They may not do direct referrals. They may do, hey, check out this podcast. Hey, check out this free PDF. Check out this free content on YouTube, right? So word of, the, word of mouth is very key in the referral marketing space. Second to that is then after you have someone that's saying, hey, go check this out, you want to talk to that person directly and say, hey, do you mind if I capture some information from you? That is deemed to be a, a review or a testimonial, right? The combination between word of mouth and the testimonials is how you end up being fruitful in the referral marketing because those two go hand in hand. If I see someone that's doing a testimonial on a video about how they got the results that they were looking for, they tried everything else, but this particular program got them from point A to point B, and I have the same issue that they're defining, and I'm looking at them, and maybe I've seen them before, maybe I know them, maybe they look like me, maybe they sound like me, then I'm going to have a direct correlation with that particular product or service more so than one that does not have that video testimonial or that Facebook review or even Amazon reviews for that matter. I mean, literally most people, when they make purchases, they'll look at the stars, right? Some people will read the reviews, but by default, if there's two products and one has one star and the other product has five stars and they're the same price, you're going to go with the five stars 99% of the time. The other 1%, I hate to say it, but I just think you're probably just crazy. You just want to buck the system. But in reality of the psychology behind what works and what doesn't work, higher ratings, higher reviews give you more level of trust and approval with your target audience. Next up after that for number three would be affiliate marketing. Okay. 
So some people are like, oh, what's this affiliate marketing thing? And then how does affiliate marketing? Affiliate, market, affiliate marketing has been around forever, right? Think about it from the standpoint of sales teams, right? A sales team would say, for example, let's say go back to like the 80s, right? If I'm selling a vacuum cleaner, right, which is, is fascinating to think about that, where people used to go around door-to-door selling vacuum cleaners. But if I had an opportunity to go to a particular location that's maybe more so a cleaning business and saying, hey, if you don't mind to talk to your customers about purchasing vacuum cleaners from you guys to kind of help offload some of the work that you guys are doing, you're still going to be doing other cleaning. But if you sell this vacuum cleaner, we'll give you 50% share of the profits. Well, from the company standpoint, we're selling more units because we have more soldiers on the ground. We're selling more vacuum cleaners, not necessarily to anyone, but we're selling them to more people that are utilizing the vacuum cleaners in environments where people need the vacuum cleaners. It's the same exact thing with affiliate marketing. So I can say, hey, I have a design business. Somebody may come to me and ask me for SEO help. I may understand SEO to a certain point to get them results, but if they want real results, then I'm probably gonna take them to an SEO professional and then I'm probably going to work out an affiliate deal and say, hey, my pipeline is full of people that I'm helping them with their growth strategies. I'm helping them with their marketing, but they need some help with SEO. If I start bringing these people to you, can I get some kickback? That's the beautiful part of affiliate marketing. Essentially, you're taking your already growing customer client base, your, your established email list, and then you're filtering it through to someone else's services that's related to your services that gives your customer, your client, your listener, a hell of a lot of value add, which goes back to the cycle. Next is four, sending gifts, right? And I'm not talking about like animated gifts on on Facebook or, or Instagram. I'm talking about products that represent your brand, right? So merch, for example. So if I have, let's say, 20 clients, and part of my onboarding process with these new clients is maybe I'll give them a book, a book on the particular service that they signed up on. That book has my branding, my name on it. That's me giving them something for free. And guess what? If they have that book on their bookcase, if they have that book on their coffee table, if they have that book in their Uber while they're, while they're riding, right? They could be on an airplane reading it. That's free marketing for me. I'm giving them value. I'm giving them product that, that, that has value to it. I'm giving them something that has a dollar sign associated to it. And then if they utilize it in any shape or form, then that's free marketing for me. In addition to books, there's swag, there's meaningful trinkets, like, you know, you can kind of create custom stuff. And again, anyone that's dealing with the marketing and dealing with business, we love custom items. It doesn't mean that you need to spend millions of dollars to create custom items, but something simple as someone's name being embroidered or someone's name being engraved with your logo associated to it on one of your products is a goldmine because now you're giving them a part of you and you're giving them something that maybe they can utilize or they can showcase. And the more they showcase it, the better it is for you in the long run because again, you're giving them something that they can utilize and in return, through osmosis, right? That's the way I like to look at it. By default, somebody may ask them a question. Hey, what's this? Where did you get that? Oh, how does this work? Oh, what is this book about? That's what you want. You want people to spark that question 
to your particular client or to your particular audience and guess what's going to happen? If they're ask, people ask them that questions, then they will become a referral for you, right? That goes back to referral marketing. If enough people ask them enough questions, then you can start talking about, well, you know, you brought me 10 of these, whatever. Let's talk about making you more so an affiliate. You go right back to affiliate marketing. Then you can see how these kind of stack up on each other and how they work and integrate with each other. So let's go to number five, right? Develop partnership marketing or influencer marketing, which is essentially co-marketing or co-branding. And I know that that was a lot of co-this and partner that and market this and influence that, but really and truly what we're talking about with this one, and I, I got some examples listed on this one, right? So think of it from Taco Bell and Dorito, right? Taco Bell is essentially a fast food place. Dorito essentially is fast food, but it's more so junk food, it's chips and snacks. But they're in two separate market sectors, right? Their marketing is completely different. Their target audiences are completely different. But there's enough overlap between these two market sectors that they created a cohesive brand. So if you go to Taco Bell and you say, hey, can I get a Dorito taco? They're not going to look at you crazy. M much like if you go to Burger King and you ask them for a Dorito burger, they're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Because that brand is not established. But both people that are coming to Taco Bell, they're coming because of the dual brand, right? If they're coming for that Dorito taco, they already have had Doritos by itself from a grocery store or a gas station. Maybe their kids eat Doritos, right? And then Taco Bell, maybe they eat Taco Bell from time to time, but now it gives them a, an avenue to bridge the gap between. So both companies are benefiting from it. Dorito is selling Taco Bell, the item, to create their product or the recipe to create the product. They're licensing that to them. Taco Bell becomes a distributor. And then the market sector would go to Taco Bell and purchase both products, two for one deal, which is golden. In addition to that, think about Kanye West's um, most recent deal with Adidas. Kanye West is a brand. He's a billion-dollar brand at this point, right? And that billion-dollar brand happened once he kind of closed his last two deals, which one of them was Adidas, right? So Adidas has been around forever. It's a shoe company. Then you have Kanye West, which has clothing, has shoes, has hip-hop, has multiple different facets to his brand. But in this particular brand aspect, he is promoting and marketing his sneakers through Adidas brand, right? It's an ingenious thing. Anyone that likes Adidas, they're going to go to Adidas anyway. Anyone that likes Adidas and Kanye, well, that's a win-win situation for both Kanye and Adidas. Um, secondly to that would be Nike and Apple. Now, Nike and Apple have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. One is a tech company and one sells sneakers like Adidas, right? But... They have the Nike Plus, which essentially adds on a key set feature to utilize with your iPhone to track what you're doing with the sneakers. And that's what I'm talking about, like the co-branding, right? So if I am, again, a designer, right, and I don't have any technical know-how, I know how to do creative stuff, then it will be golden for me to partner with a technical company, right? Or vice versa. If I'm 100% data-driven, analytical data PHP, coding, backend, ASP, Oracle, and I have no idea about design colors, design theories, complementary color palettes, shading, and contrasting. Two separate worlds, two separate monsters. But the way to join them together cohesively is to take the both minds and co-brand them together, right? Uh, another example of that would be Red Bull and GoPro. A drink and tech. What the hell do they have to do with each other? Nothing, right? 
until you start looking at what Red Bull does as far as being an, an adrenaline junkie, an adrenaline adventure, right? That's what essentially it, Red Bull represents when they're when they talking in the sports arena. GoPro then talks to uh, adventure junkies as well. So the merging of those two brands, the overlap in their target audience makes perfect sense, right? So think about it from a storyline standpoint. Drink Red Bull, get wings, right? And while you're flying with those crazy wings, make sure you record it with the GoPro camera. And that's the, that's, that's the, the kind of out-the-box thinking that you're going to have to kind of develop to figure out what these key partnerships, these influencer marketing or the, the partnership marketing, which is a new trending word. Uh, that was air quotes for those that can't see it. And, or co-marketing or co-branding things together, right? Another big one that happened recently was Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. So the awkward silence is, I'm sitting here thinking like, who was the mad scientist that sat down and came up with this concept? Who was the crazy person that said, you know what? Let's figure out how we can get a championship boxer with a multi-million subscriber YouTube-based YouTuber, right? I think Logan Paul is like 20 plus, maybe even 30 million subscribers right now. Mayweather is, you know, a hundred of a million year on his way to a billion dollars sooner or later if he doesn't spend it all, right? So how do these two brands come together? Well, Logan Paul stepped into like the martial art boxing arena. Mayweather is retired and he has no problem making more money, right? So it's kind of like my, what Mike Tyson is doing right now. Mike Tyson say, I got a new fight coming on. Everybody and their mom that was younger before, when they didn't even know Tyson was in even existence, have grown up hearing stories about Tyson. You get an opportunity to watch Tyson. Mayweather just retired. So anyone that has an opportunity to see him fight again because he's undefeated, right? The dude was like 52 and Oak, including, I think, the last two off-schedule fights. So 50 to 52 and Oak, right? Logan Paul not known to be a fighter, but he's a huge following on YouTube. So you imagine bringing 20 to 30 million subscribers from YouTube, and then you have Mayweather, which is a worldwide brand, his name, and you put those two together, it makes for a good payday, right? And last but not least, for all my Star Wars fans out there that, that have kids and don't have kids, come on now, Star Wars and Lego, who would have called that? So that's another great joint branding, co-branding situation. And I'm going through as many examples in this particular topic because I want you to really understand these brand partnerships are gold mines, right? They, they will amplify your audience tenfold. They will amplify what you're trying to do and how you're doing it if you stage them 100% correctly. Number six, build a social media community, right? Going back to the beginning of this podcast, I asked you to go to the Boston Cage online Facebook community, right? I'm, I'm drinking my own tea, sipping on my own coffee, taking shots of my own whiskey with that one. And I want you to do the same because part of whatever platform you decide to create, whether it's podcasting, whether you decide to become an author, whether you decide to create a YouTube channel, whether you decide to you know, come up with a delivery service, you have to have somewhere 
to harness the energy of your community so that way they can talk and communicate and collaborate with you, get their hands on you per se, right? Figure out where you're going to be doing next. Be a part of your growth. You get to ask them questions. They get to ask you questions. You get to communicate back and forth. That is the beauty of this particular growth hack is social media communities are not only just the gold mines in all 10 of these particular tips, but it's one that you cannot in this world do without. If you do nothing else, at the minimum, you want to start a community of people and start talking to them, which goes back to communication. Number seven, attending industry events. And this could be workshops, summits, meetup groups, collectively any one of these things that that way you can kind of mix and match everything else we listed up into this point if you have a community of people they may be in multiple states multiple countries and then you can say hey guys i am going to this event or i have my own event you're bringing the community together right part of these events and these summits co-branding right you could have sponsors well a sponsorship for an event or a summit is essentially a co-branding opportunity to bridge the gap between multiple brands affiliate marketing well you can say hey your ticket will be free for this particular summit if you get 10 people to show up or sign up referral marketing you can say hey guys i know you come to last summits with us or last workshops with us i would love for you to come back and bring more people with you right tell us a story about what did you learn from the last summit what did you learn from the last workshop Again, that goes back to referral marketing. Swag, being able to give out whoever decides to come to this new summit or this new event or show up, or if you decide to show up on your own to a, a third-party vendor's event, right? Usually there's some kind of swag bag or a, a swag room where you can kind of pick up t-shirts, pick up hats. All Everything that I've been listing out up until this point are all could be joint ventures as far as building out and establishing your community inside of going to events. And of course, you would learn something, right? Every event you go to should be a streamlined event based upon what you are doing right now. What are your goals that you're trying to execute later and to make sure that in this environment, you either have access to new people to help you on that adventure or you can get access to people through being there and people making referrals to someone else that just met you on site. Next is being a guest. Number eight. This one is huge because my entire Boss and Cage brand, the Boss and Cage show, it is 100% driven by me interviewing guests on my show. And my podcast, it's a good one. It's a great one. But there's millions of podcasts that are doing similar things to, to what I'm doing and then multiple variables of niches. So find a podcast raise your hand, knock on the door, send them a message, chat with them, log into their Facebook communities or their online groups, get in connection with who's the manager, who's the owner, talk, communicate, shake and bake, make your way through and get to become a guest on someone's show or a guest on a blog or a guest on a YouTube channel, right? And then that can, can lead into bigger things, all right? You can be a guest writer for like Forbes, you can be more of a PR professional and, and talk more so about the strategies of becoming more of a, a writer for large publications, right? But that all goes back into becoming a guest on something and telling your story. 
That's another key part of being a guest. You have to be able to develop your story. You can't come on there and be flatlined. That'll be probably the last show you will ever be able to visit because they want you to be animated. They want you to be active. They want their listeners to be engaged. They want to help you as much as you want to tell your story. So tell your story as much and as loud as possible. Make some noise. Make the world shake by your message and get it out there. Distribute the living hell out of it. Going into number nine, create an aggressive content strategy, right? Everything else I've listed is, is there's fragmentations of them that all kind of come together to form this puzzle piece of what content strategy really is, right? Podcast episodes, that's content, right? I can create millions and millions bits of pieces of content just based upon how to slice and dice up multiple episodes. I can take stills. I can take audio clips. I can pick video clips, right? I could make questionnaires about a particular episode. There's so many different things you can do with a podcast, and that's just one format. Imagine a podcast and video. Imagine being a YouTuber. Imagine all the content that you can create if you're interviewing people on YouTube or if you're doing box reveals. Or you could do box reveals, and then after that, you could follow up the box reveal with like a, a checklist. That checklist could be then a lead magnet. Right. There's so many different ways to play, but the content strategy is something that you need to systematize. Right. Going back to the ecosystem of the cycle. And we're talking about becoming a trendsetter. Everything that I'm telling you is what helps you to become more of a trendsetter than following set trends. You're following trends based upon historical data of what has worked before you decide to step into that space. You're going to take it. You're going to put your twist on it. So what I'm going to do with this episode, for example, I'm going to release the episode as a podcast. I'm going to release the episode as a video. I'm going to take these 10 steps and probably make a sub video of that. I'm probably going to take these 10 steps and make like a quick checklist as a lead magnet. Multiple different pieces of content can be created from this one piece of video. So think about your strategy, right? Why are you creating your content based upon what your audience are looking for? How are you helping them by filling in the gaps, by adding value, capturing the data, regurgitating that data into new revised value add, and then from there you grow and you scale. Okay, same exact principles for the content strategy. Last but not least, this, this one is kind of, um, I'm not gonna say it's cliche, but I don't want you to say that this is all, the only thing that you need to do to become more of a trendsetter, right? And again, I'm telling you not to follow the trends. I'm telling you to analyze the trends. So this one, I'm, I call it shadow boxing the competition or shadow boxing with the competition, right? And this, this is something that you don't necessarily look at everyone as competition, but you can look at other people in your space, right? If I'm a YouTuber, I'm going to look at other YouTubers, equally yoked. YouTubers, or maybe I'm a, I'm a grade below them and I'm looking up to them seeing, okay, I'm working on my, on my, my ladder and I'm trying to get to, to 500,000 subscribers or maybe 20 million subscribers or maybe a hundred million subscribers. Like who already has that? Who already is at that level? Podcasting, right? When I first started podcasting, I, you know, I had like 10, 20 downloads here and there. Now I'm at the point in time where I'm having 2,500, 3,000, 4,000 downloads per episode within like the first few days. So how did I go from there to here? Well, I was looking to see what were people doing. 
I was looking to see who had successful podcasts. I was looking to see what was their messaging like? What was their targeting like? What are they doing to get that many people? Some people have great luck, right? They have the great 15 minutes of fame. Some people are very analytical and they stage every single aspect of it. So you can look at people and, and not compare yourself to them, but look and see what they're doing it, how they're doing it and why they're doing it, right? A quick tip on that, you can use a program called IFTTT, if then else statements, essentially what it means. This particular platform is an automation platform. I've been preaching about this platform for like at least 10 years. I've been using it for automation forever. But the reason why I like it, let's say if I find someone on Twitter and this person is on Twitter and they're having great success on Twitter. They have, let's say, a larger following than the normal, right? In say marketing or in um, growth strategy. And I'm like, okay, well, they got 100,000 followers. They've been doing this maybe three or four years. What are they doing differently than anyone else? What are they doing differently than me? And then I'm looking at all their tweets. I'm like, okay, these are just general tweets. These are short little tweets, short little blurbs over and over again, consistently posting multiple times a day. So then you compare yourself in the sense of, okay, what am I doing? What are they doing? Maybe I'm posting twice a day. Maybe they're posting 20 times a day. Maybe I'm posting images. Maybe they're posting just text. And you start comparing the apples to oranges and then eventually apples to apples. And then eventually you go from green apples to Granny Smith's to green apples to green apples. So once you kind of get to that space, now you can say, okay, let me see if this works. We're talking to the same community of people. We're talking to the same general information, but they're just putting out way more of that content on this particular platform. So with IFTTT, I can say, hey, I want John Smith is, is, is say a Twitter person. I want every tweet that John Smith posts, period, I want you to capture that and I want you to put it inside of a Google Sheet, a Google Doc for me. So what does that do for me from the viewing? Well, first of all, I don't have to stalk the person, right? It's hard enough to kind of keep in, in, in contact with everything that we got going on as business owners and juggling everything. And so you don't have time to every time somebody posts something on Twitter to go and read and review and take note, read and review and take note, read and what I can set aside an hour or two, maybe a day, or maybe an hour or two per week, or maybe an hour per month to say, okay, I want to sit down and I want to look at all their posts for the last 30 days, all their posts for the last 90 days. I want to see them in a, in a spreadsheet and I want to compare and see where these things are going and how they're making it work. And then obviously you can go online and you can look up analytical data on someone's post, analytical data on Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff behind the scenes. But I just need to kind of figure out what they're posting, right? So now I have a database of all their content. I'm not saying to copy their content. I'm not saying to copy and paste or use their content. I'm saying, look at the data, see what they're doing, and then mimic it, okay? They may be talking about social media marketing. Okay? They may be talking about Facebook, then you talk about Twitter. They may be talking about LinkedIn. You could talk about LinkedIn, but talk about a different topic. You, the goal is here, they're just giving you general ideas of what they're doing and why and how they're doing it. So now that you're here and this person's here, over a period of time of looking at what they're doing and you're kind of using them as a mentor, you can grow into that space parallel to them, right? Maybe even surpass them if you add on some things that you learn from some other people. Because this person may not be doing what you're doing as far as looking and learning behind the scenes, right? And I look at it as that's like a slingshot move. You're grabbing two points and then you're shooting forward, utilizing these two points, overlapping them, putting your two cents in it and creating something brand new 
that again is not really brand new. It's not really a new trend. It's not really, it's been done before, but because you're doing it for the first time, you are now evolving into becoming your own trendsetter for you and your own target audience. So I want you to understand like these 10 steps, right? Are not 10 steps that you have to do all 10 to become a trendsetter. But if you could maximize one or two of them and then grow into three or four or the five or six, and you have to do them in stages, that's perfectly fine. And then you need to apply. You're making sure you're giving value at every single turn, right? You're capturing data to make sure that the value you're giving is being valued. Then you're going to come back with new revised content based upon the data that you've received. Then you're going to take that and then you're going to grow that audience. And then you're going to go to monetizing and scaling that, right? So let's take this conversation offline. So this is, I'm coming to the close of this, this first episode. I, I think it, I enjoyed it. I, I see my energy levels up and I got some caffeine in me. So I'm, I'm definitely bumping. I would love to hear some insights of feedback. Did I drop enough nuggets for you to say like, okay, did, you, did your eyebrows get raised? Did, did, did your hat go up in the air? Did you cross your arms and uncross your arms? Like what's the one thing that I said that made you go, Holy shit, like I, I, I can do that. Oh, now I get it. Now I understand it. So I, again, I want you to go to the Boston Cage Facebook group, which is bostoncage.com F slash FB group, right? And I want you to make a comment. I want you to post about your biggest takeaway from this particular episode. Because the more you ask questions is the more and the better these special bonus episodes will get because I am going to feed directly off of your responses. It's a win-win, push-and-pull situation, baby. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.